All right, well, let's take our Bibles and turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 12. We're closing this uh, amazing book of wisdom off today. So let's turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 12. I'm not going in and out there on the sound stuff. Feels like a, sounds like I'm going in and out. My battery looks like it's fully charged, so we'll just kind of keep playing with it. All right, let's turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and let's read together. Would you stand with me? I think this is important to stand, stand before the word of God. We see in John, uh, the book of John, that the, the word of God is actually Christ. He is the word come in flesh. So let's, uh, let's revere him as we read. It says this, remember also your creator in the day. Before the evil days come and the years draw near of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened and the clouds return after the rain. In the day when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men are bent and the grinders cease because they are few. And those who look through the windows are dimmed. And the doors on the street are shut when the sound of the grinding is low and one rises up at the sound of a bird and all the daughters of song are brought low. They are afraid also of what is high and terrors are in the way. The almond tree blossoms, the grasshopper drags itself along and desire fails because man is going to his eternal home. And the mourners go about the streets before the silver cord is snapped or the golden bowl is broken or the pitcher is shattered at the fountain or the wheel broken at the cistern and the dust returns to earth as it was and the spirit returns to God who gave it. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. All is vanity. Besides being wise, the preacher also taught the people knowledge, weighing and studying and arranging many proverbs with great care. The preacher sought to find words of delight, and uprightly he wrote words of truth. The words of the wise are like goads, and like nails firmly fixed are the collected sayings. They are given by one shepherd. My son, beware of anything beyond these. Of ma making many books there is no end, and much study is a weariness of the flesh. The end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. This is the word of God. All right, let's grab a seat, let's uh, bow our heads, and let's uh, pray together, and then we'll jump in. Oh, Jesus, this text, this book has been a pleasure uh, to look into and to study and to preach. Um, and I pray, Jesus, that this will continue on, that we won't stop looking into your word, that we will be a church known um, around North Vancouver, around this city, around uh, the lower mainland, around this province, uh, the, around Canada, that this will be a church that loves your word, that studies your word and proclaims your word with boldness and courage. And I pray, Jesus, that you'll use me despite me in this, that you'll use me now to uh, proclaim uh, the truths of this text, that you'll uh, help me set aside myself and, and just open up your word and proclaim it. And uh, I pray, Lord, that we will all, with listening ears and, and an open heart, to, to hear what it is uh, that you want to say to us today. That it will be a reminder of sorts. 
of your goodness and your grace and maybe uh, a spark uh, in our hearts as well to the newness uh, of your amazing love. And so I pray this in, in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Well, I hope you've had as much fun as I have uh, walking through this book. This is one of those, like I started this series off with saying that this is probably one of the hardest books to preach. And I was like, oh my goodness, that, and I've chosen this one to go. So I couldn't turn back and I started walking through it. But oh my goodness, this has been such a blessing to me as I've walked through this. We've talked all kinds of different things. It's challenged us. It's made us contemplate our stages of life, what we, what we value, what we put our efforts towards, our work our family, our breath, and all with the same conclusion. If we, if we really think about these things under the sun, separate from God, they're meaningless. They're hevel. They're, they're vanity. And church, if, if I can say anything, it's, it's one of those things. If we elevate anything, this side of heaven, over God, it's hevel. It's meaningless. We then play the fool. And this is what this amazing book has been teaching us. That's why this chapter, chapter 12 and also chapter 11 that we heard last week are so vitally important to get to. They're a summary of the many questions asked by the preacher king and give us insight into the hope that is before us beyond the veil of eternal. You see, Solomon was looking at things under the sun, but reading this wisdom literature from our perspective, knowing the beauty the beauty of st the story of Jesus and the 40 references to meaninglessness or vanity or hevel, whatever word you use, it, it doesn't leave us depressed, but it actually leaves us with excitement of what is to come, of excitement of what is to come. And that's what we're going to get to in the three points want to help us follow along with this amazing text is, is on the screen here. It's remember is number one. We have the shepherd is number two. And we have and the duty of man is number three. I'm pretty proud of myself for this one, actually. You can actually read it all together. Remember the shepherd and the duty of man. All right, so let's remember that. Remember the shepherd and the duty of man. So those are the three points we're going to walk through. So the first one is remember, verses one through eight. I'm not going to reread this. I want to make sure that you have those. It's, it's a really interesting text. It's one, it's kind of like Paul's letters. It's one sentence from verse 1 all the way to the end of 7. We have one sentence, one big long run-on sentence. And then we have verse 8, which is again a repeat of all is vanity under the sun. But as we learned last week to faithfully, faithfully give, remember last week we faithfully give like over and above what you can give. This is Benevolent Sunday, by the way. I forgot to announce that. We have Benevolent Sunday. We've got a jar back there. So that goes to uh, those that are in need within the body first. And then outside the body, we give uh, as best we possibly can. And that's part of what the message was last week, is to give and to give freely and to obey. Obey God and his commands. And when you do so, you'll find contentment and your true joy. And our contentment, we learned, is, is Jesus, our gift from the Father, that we are saved and we, we remember our creator, our sustainer, our redeemer, our hope and our glory. And we faithfully walk in this newness as followers of Jesus Christ, giving as he gave to us. And now here in our text, again, we hear, we, we see that was those first couple of verse or first couple of lines in the first verse of chapter 12. And it calls us to remember, but not just remember something insignificant, right? He is calling us to remember the creator, Remember your creator, the king of kings, the true preacher king, 
that has pleasure in his creation, that gives with a generous hand life, breath, and all things that sustain you throughout the day. It is all these things and far more. Think about it. We are called here to a massive imperative uh, of uh, receiving the truth that God is who he says he is and to live out and to remember him in all that you do, to remember our creator. And this is a task that should take, take us, oh, eternity to actually get to know him, but to remember him daily. And then I, it took me, uh, you know, this first four words, remember, I can't remember exactly how it says, but remember our creator. And that slowed me right down when I was reading and studying this, this sort, section of the text and thinking, like, how often do we slow down and actually remember him? Like when you drove here today, were you praising the Lord and remembering your creator or were you focused on something else? Last night, before bed, were you remembering your creator? During the day at work, were you remembering your creator? When you were making plans for this long weekend, were you remembering your creator? And this is what this call is. But not just anything, it's remember this king of kings. And, and we are called to this task and what Solomon is getting at, and this is an imperative for every day until you enter his courts with praise. Remember the creator in your youth. Remember the creator in your old age. Remember the creator before your legs give out. And this is what this text is essentially saying. Remember before your legs give out, your mind becomes forgetful. Your back fails you. Your teeth fall out before your eyes fade. When you can't sleep, when the burdens of life overtake you, remember when gray hair is all you have left, getting close. All right, most of my hair just moved to the back, all right, or, or down on my face. But remember, when gray hair is all you have left, before you turn back to dust and the spirit you were given returns to the Lord who gave it. We're called to remember in all the days of our life. It's a call to all of us that we might not lose hope, but might actually grow in faith, as I was sharing with our kids. And we sang the song that Ryan led us in, that it might grow us in faith, not discourage us. See, to make God the one you remember is the best and, what, and wisest advice the preacher king could ever give. And I keep saying preacher king because he was a preacher, a teacher, and a king. And he was, he was named Coeleth, and he would call his people together, and he would proclaim the wisdom that he had. And that's essentially what he was doing. He was like, now listen to the wisdom that I, I want to bestow upon you. And this wisdom is, remember your creator. Remember to a Sol Solomon who put to test the things of this world. And it is Solomon who is sharing this mighty conclusion with each of us to make the creator in all circumstances the one you remember. To remember is a massive theme throughout the scripture. I mentioned Deuteronomy 8 last week where it was like, when things are going bad, remember God. When things are going good, remember God. Throughout the text of scripture, we see it all the way back to Adam and Eve to remember the words of God when it came to the forbidden fruit, right? Satan's temptation was, did God really say that? We're called to remember, remember what he has said so that we might abide in him. 
and, or the Exodus and how God called the people to the Passover feast so that people would remember God's salvation and rejoice. We see this in Exodus 12, 14 on the screen. It says, this day shall be a day of remembrance for you. You shall celebrate it as a festival to the Lord. And that's what we want to do next week. It's a festival to the Lord. Community of people all on the same mission to make Jesus known, to come to celebrate, to worship, to hear the word priest, and then let's celebrate over food. And that's, that's what we want to do next week. Make it a festival to the Lord. At Mount Sinai, God, God gave Moses the law of remembrance and to know how to joyfully live as his people. In Deuteronomy 6, 6 and 9, oh my goodness, this is such a great challenge. I use this a lot when I was teaching uh, uh, biblical parenting classes. And it's a good one for you parents. It says this, and these words that I command today shall be on your heart. Meaning that you constantly remember them. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand so that you'll never forget them. And they shall be as front between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. That's a lot of places. See, friends and parents, whether you have kids or not, you most likely have children in your life. And so we're called to, no matter who we are, whether single, married, grandpa or grandma, you have some form of a child with you. And you are yourself are a child, but you're also an heir to the throne of God. And you're called, this is the same calling to each one of us, to, to proclaim the good news of Jesus. This is why I pray and I talk to your kids within each gathering. I want to give you an example of how we're to speak to our children. I don't only want to, them to recognize me and my voice. Uh, one of the kids, uh, um, I can't remember, oh yeah, we were dropping a meal off at one of these young moms and, and one of the little kids was like, I know, you're at that church. And I was like, you betcha, buddy. Let me show you something, a little noogie, right? Like just to have a little, little fun with the kids so that they might recognize me and my voice. I want them to trust me enough that they believe in what I am telling them about Jesus. That one day they will remember that Jesus lived, died, and rose again for their sin. And I want you as parents to see an example of how we as men ought to lovingly care for the children around us. And I'm specifically saying men here. Man, we, we have been given an example of leadership in Jesus Christ. And we're called to be like him. To step into this role of leadership and to love on our kids and play with them and have fun with them. And get a little sweaty. I'm a little sweaty because I was playing tag earlier on with a bunch of kids that came and set up chairs. And I love these kids. And I want to treat them as faithful future servants of Jesus Christ in his church and they're already doing it because they're following the lead of the fathers. So we want to speak to them, listen to them and care enough for them that we would faithfully share the gospel every chance we get. Remember your creator as you do, just maybe others will follow. 
See, God also instructed Joshua to take 12 stones from the riverbed and when, when God opened the waters and placed them in the first camp. And Joshua chapter 4, 6, and 7 says, when your children ask in time to come, because they will ask, don't they? Like we know kids and they ask a lot of questions. So when they ask, you say, then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. So these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. And we proclaim Jesus. And we proclaim him loud and clear to these kids. If your children ask you why they go to church every Sunday, do you have an answer for them that they will remember? Why are they coming? Right? Because we want to learn more about Jesus. We want to sing praises to him. We want to, we want to worship and glorify his name and not ours. So we want to sit and be still at times. But then there's going to be fun times too. We want to learn and glorify his name. So we're called to parent, as parents to discipline our children, to faithfulness, to be conduits of God's amazing grace within the church, to attend, to invite others, to serve, to give. And parents and friends, if we don't do this regularly as parents, your kids will follow someone's lead. They will whether it's going to be yours or someone else's. They will follow someone's lead. And by God's grace, they follow the lead of someone that is positioned to follow Jesus. See, furthermore, this, this theme continues. Jesus urged his followers to remember him for who he was. In John 15, 5 and 10 through 11, it says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, that's a massive statement. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. Verse 10, skipping down, it says, If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Your joy will be full as you follow and trust in the Lord. See, this John passage, Jesus himself is speaking it, and it's saying really no difference. Not, there's no, not a whole lot of difference than Ecclesiastes 12. And something we celebrate every week here as a way of reminder of Jesus' saving work is, is the communion. In Luke twenty two nineteen, 19, it says, And he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Again, everything is a remembrance of him. It's, a, it's, a, it's making him known. It's making him glorified and praising him, not us. And then Jesus wants us to remember that he is always present with us. In Matthew 28, 19 and 20, we have a go therefore, a command. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And that starts with our children. And it says, amazingly, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Behold, take notice, remember, remember. Friends, we are called to remember our creator, our creator who created, but also entered into his creation to save it. One of the biggest ways we remember our creator is by way of action. A lot of times if we just hear it, eventually it will fall away. But if we hear it and then act on it, it sticks a little bit more. 
And so we want to go by way of action, by living out the core values of this ministry, which just so happened to be mission, um, the mission Jesus has left for us to accomplish. So we remember here as the short church, we remember by the way of evangelism, by sharing our faith, by scattering the seed to our friends and our neighbors and the people that we work with. And we disciple. And man, I'm so looking forward to this because we're going to go into our core values after launch Sunday and we're going to spend nine weeks on discipleship. And I'm really excited about that time. It's going to be a challenge to us and a, and a movement from one degree of holiness to the next by God's grace, that we all become disciple makers and living and finally living in community. That's why community group is so vitally important, that we might be able to encourage one another and love one another and care for one another in the midst of trial and temptation and suffering and also blessing. So all things Jesus exemplified in his life, we want to follow. He is our, he is our leader, and so we want to follow him. The second point, point, the shepherd. So remember, now remember the shepherd. Remember the shepherd. Verse 9, and 12, 9 through 12, it says this again. Besides being wise, the preacher also taught the people knowledge, weighing and studying and arranging many proverbs with great care. The preacher sought to find words of delight, and uprightly he wrote words of truth. The words of the wise are like goads and like nails firmly fixed are the collected sayings. They are given by one shepherd. My son, beware of anything beyond these. Of making many books, there is no end. And much study is a weariness of the flesh. See, this little section has caused great confusion. It's caused great confusion. Like, is there a narrator here? Is, is, is there a father that's telling about this preacher? And now he's talking to his son? Um, there's a really great resource called The Bible Project. I'm sure many of you heard this. If you haven't, check it out on YouTube. There's tons of really great videos. Um, but even in this video by, by The Bible Project, you get the middle-aged critic talking about Ecclesiastes here, a middle-aged critic or teacher and the author, so two characters within this text. Some believe, actually, that there are three characters within the pages of Ecclesiastes. No matter what you believe, or how you come to the conclusion of the authorship of this wisdom literature, we must not miss the wisdom. The wisdom here is vast, thought through with great detail, and even tried and tested by one's life under the sun. What we know for sure is that the preacher king was wise and taught knowledge, arranged and studied Proverbs, was upright in what he proclaimed, and probably most importantly was truthful. We see this in verse 9 and 10. It says it right there. But he doesn't stop there. He gives us one more proverb and then a clear instruction. He says, the words of the wise are like goads. Now, I don't think there's any uh, like real <laughs> live shepherds. Uh, but a goad is not a bag of chips. All right. So if you're interested, man, I want some of them goads. Uh, you probably don't because what it is is a long stick with a very sharp end to it. And a shepherd would walk around and if a sheep was laying on the, on the pasture and he, he wanted to move, he would poke and prod this sheep into action. Prod the sheep into action. That's essentially what this is saying here. See, it's a sharp tool used by a shepherd to prod the sheep into a state of motion. Words of the wise are like goads. Words of the wise are like goads. They prod us into action. Now, words do this. We have all felt 
type of prodding, I'm sure, that's moved us into action. Right? Every one of us, I'm sure. Like if I give you an example like this, like when my mom uses my full name, like first, middle, and last, in a specific tone, <laughs> I know I better start moving. Right? She, that's like a prod into action. That, that's her way. And the only reason I know it is because I've prodded before. Right? You get me? Uh, there's, so now when I hear that, that full name of Jer Adrian, I'm like, ooh, boy, uh, mom's coming. I better get into action. And then there's my dad. Oh, boy. Right? 6'4", 260. All right? And I'm like five and six foot. <laughs> just kidding. I wasn't that tall. But when I saw my, just my presence of my dad in the certain body language that he had, whether it be like this or looking down, he didn't even need to say anything. I was instantly moving in action because I knew what was coming next. There was a prod there that we know. And when he spoke, I wanted to listen because I knew what was coming if I didn't. That's what the goad was for, for the sheep. And same with words, they move us into action. But we have also in our days, and I'm sure you all can resonate, we have also in our days heard words that should move us, but don't. Right? We can chalk this up to not fully understanding laziness or something like this. But when you hear the words of truth and you are not moved, you must begin to contemplate your pride and the meaninglessness that you might be holding on to. We have to start contemplating this. Like if a sheep is lying on the ground and the shepherd prods it and it doesn't move, the prodding will only get harder until the sharp point is unbearable to fight against any longer. Now, two things can occur. The sheep doesn't move, which means it is dead, right? Or the sheep eventually moves because it is made alive by the stimulus of the prodding, the stimulus of truth. See, friends, this is for us as well. The prodding is given by one shepherd, by one shepherd. And we know them on this side of the cross. We know him as Jesus. You will either hear the call of the Lord and feel the prodding of his loving touch or you are spiritually dead and you have forgotten your creator. See, these collected sayings, they are given by one shepherd, it says. No need for other books. No need for other books. We have been given one book written ultimately by the very spirit of God who personifies wisdom, love, and the gentle touch of a thundering expression of a command. It is now up to us to act upon what we have heard from the shepherd. So we remember, and we remember the shepherd, and now the duty of man, all humankind. Verses 13 and 14, it says this, the end of the matter, you got to pause there. The end of like your dad coming to you and, or your mom or whatever, someone in authority coming to you and going, this is it. No more instruction. This is the final word. I'm not telling you it again. And Solomon, the preacher king, is going to his gathered people, to the church, and he's going, the end of the matter. All has been heard. And he says something so incredibly important that we cannot miss it. Fear God and keep his commandments 
for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. Now, if that doesn't make you shudder a little bit, prod you into action, the action of confession, the action of surrender, every secret thing will be brought into the light. That means the things of your mind, the things that you're doing in your room by yourself, the things that you know you ought not to have done, but yet you did anyways. This ought to bring us to action. See, friends, the preacher king has been asking the same question since chapter 1, verse 3. He's been asking, what does man gain by all the toil at which he toils under the sun? He's been asking that same question since the third verse of chapter 1. And his answer is that all the toil under the sun is meaningless. It only causes confusion. But what is lasting through time, life, and the order of them both is to remember your creator. Remember your creator. Listen to the wisdom and the truth of the true shepherd. And fear God. Fear him and follow his commands. Walk in obedience. So how do we do this? Well, we must order God as the priority of our lives. We must. If anything else takes the number one position, like I started off, if anything else in creation takes the number one position God himself, you're playing the fool. You're acting foolishly. You're acting foolishly. This essentially is saying, I don't believe in God, therefore I'm putting this number one. You're not remembering the creator in that moment. And we've all done it this week. We've something else in number one position. So we all have, as we come to celebrate communion, we all have something to ask for forgiveness for. Every one of us, me included. So if anything takes the number one position in our lives other than God, our purpose for life instantly revolves around our kingdom rather than God's. If, if caught in the trap of serving our kingdom rather than God's, we will become prideful, broken, and soon dead sheep that will no longer feel the prodding of the king. We just won't feel it anymore. We'll get desensitized to it. And as chapter 1 of Romans talks of, God will release you into your desires, which is a scary, scary passage. So three things I share with people a lot of times when we talk about this is, and I think I've shared this before, but I'll share it again. But three fingers. Number one is who is God? Let's order him as number one. Because that will set everything in the, the proper place. Who is God? Well, that's going to take eternity to figure that out. Who is God? Well, then the next question is who am I? Well, if God is that big, then I need to actually surrender to him. And that's the duty. The duty of man is to fear him and to glorify him in all that I do, obey him, because I'm just a mere creation of his. He's my creator. I don't remember him. The problem is when we reorder that, every single time we get to the top and then our purpose to glorify ourselves is second and then third, somewhere down the bottom is God. We'll, place, we'll make up a God that will figure out all the other stuff to bless me more. 
so we become on the throne of the kingdom. May we order God as number one. So as we close this book off, I implore you, stop seeking your kingdom. And I'm imploring myself in the same thing. I'm no different. I need this example. I need this wisdom literature as much as, if not more than you. Because every time I open up the text of Scripture, I feel a little bit beat up because I, too, am a sinner. And I've fallen short of God's perfection. And I need his amazing grace. So I implore you, stop seeking the pleasure of the kingdom under the sun, but seek first the kingdom of Jesus, our true hope and joy. And may he provide peace and love and that shalom that we long for. Let me pray. Jesus, I thank you so much um, for your incredible grace. Jesus, um, in your word here in Ecclesiastes, you've called us to remember. And so I pray, Lord, that as we sing now and we, and we take and partake in the, the bread and the juice, that we will remember your amazing gift, your faithfulness, your steadfastness, and also your love for us that you say if we confess our sin, we, you are faithful and just and will forgive us our sin and that you will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That promise alone uh, gives us so much hope. And so, Lord, may we come with bended knee to you now in your throne and just worship you and proclaim you and adore you and give thanks but also confess to you the things that we have done against your kingdom. And so I pray, Jesus, now as we, as we close this book of wisdom of Ecclesiastes, Lord, that we will remember our creator, that we remember our shepherd, and that, Lord, that uh, we will fear and obey your commands. For there is no other book to go after but yours alone. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.